Welcome to Archonnect Sessions, episode 135. I'm Paul, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Donna and Ken. This week, we're joined in the studio by David Lee and Marina Bordrene, the hosts of the Midnight Charette podcast. You may already be familiar with their podcast, or perhaps you just heard about the podcast since they released their episode with me a couple days ago. But the Midnight Charette has been podcasting for a while now. They've quickly approached their almost 100th episode, and they describe their show as an explicit podcast about design, architecture, and people. The format is casual and unscripted and tends to run on the long side, with two hours being about average for an episode. It's an architecture podcast, but it's often not addressing architecture directly. Rather, David and Marina discuss non-architectural issues from the perspective of a couple architecturally-minded professionals. Okay, well, it's great to have you guys on today. You know, as fellow podcasters, we probably don't have to give you a lot of the same spiel that we give many of our other guests. Hopefully not. Uh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> now, you guys are pros. You're approaching like 100 episodes on yeah. Midnight Charette, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're pretty old already. We're pretty old already. <laughs> know your audience, Marina. Well, I know uh, that you guys tend to have a lot of episodes in the can prior to releasing them. So maybe you've already done 100? Uh, it's possible. Uh, we have not. We actually burned through all those episodes. <laughs> so we're in the in the mode of like reserving booking guests right now for the, the next. We tend to record a bunch of people at one time just because it's easier that way. And yeah. that kind of holds us over for a And we of... like doing like little charrettes. So it's like our way to do a charrette is just, like, you know, record a whole right. bunch of recordings at once and then be done for a while and then go back to it really intensely and then be done again. Is that where charrette in the name of the podcast came from? No, not really. <laughs> not really. But it's, a, it's a, I mean, you probably know that it's a term that's been used in architecture school, right? When oh, yeah. you like, you know, do yeah. all-nighters trying to wrap up your projects. So yeah. No, like, charrette well... is a traumatic event that will never be <laughs> removed from my, from my brain. <laughs> so, well, I mean, as Donna said, as, as many architects and, and people in our audience have indicated, your podcast is is listened to by a lot of a lot of the same people that follow our website and follow our podcast. But maybe you can give a little bit more background into into how the podcast got started. What made you guys decide to start a podcast? He did. <laughs> He's responsible for it. <laughs> well, let's say we've been recording for about two years, over two years now. And at that time, we were actually living in New York City and we we're both working at offices and surviving New York life. And uh, I've always taught kind of off and on, and we've always had side projects such as competitions. And uh, so discourse is part of kind of our lives. And we felt like it'd be interesting to have an ongoing project instead of one that gets neatly packaged and then kind of finished to have something that's ongoing that will allow us to think through some of the ideas that we talk about already, either having to do with the profession, you know, mainly the problems with our offices and our bosses and why we don't like them, but then also design um, issues that we try to cover in our own work, but never really see the light of day outside of projects. So we thought, well, podcasts could be a way to reach potentially more people and would allow us the freedom to explore things and not have to go through the, the process of making everything look perfect for a board for a competition, let's say. So yeah, I fully forced Marina into it. I admit to that. <laughs> I, bought a, <laughs> I bought a cheap lanyard mic on Amazon and I said, we're, we're doing this. And uh, so we sat down at our 
Kitchen Island, I think was the first one yeah. we did and attempted to do a recording and we just kept kept doing it. And we kept doing it. And after a while, we were like, okay, well, you know, this is fun. Just the two of us, maybe we should bring people on board and do some recordings with guests. So we started with our friends in New York City who are architects or working in some kind of related architecture profession. But then it's also like, okay, what else can we bring more to the show? So then we started reaching out to professionals, people who had firms who were engaged in certain communities and things like that, to try to expand the dialogue and the conversation to larger, more current topics and mm-hmm. try and, you know, you know, uh, raise awareness and, and people's opinion about things. And we actually, we enjoy doing that a lot because it gives us a reason to cold call somebody <laughs> and not just be a creep, you know, like we really want to meet yeah. you. It's like, we want to meet you and we have a reason why we want to meet you. So it's, we, we met like a whole bunch of, of people that way. And every time it's like just physically and humanly, it's a great experience. We've been lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Donna and Ken, I'm sure that you agree that one of the best things about running a podcast is being able to meet all these amazing people and just sit down and talk to them for an hour or so. It is incredible. It is. But now, Marina and David, you guys typically have people in the space with you or you typically interview them over the phone or do it remotely? We've never done an interview remotely. It's always in person. Always oh, in oh. person. Oh, yeah. I'm actually jealous yeah. of that because, yeah, we always <laughs> pretty much always. Paul does some one-on-one, but we pretty much always do sessions over Skype. Yeah. And that, you know, that makes sense though, because certainly recording in person places a lot of limitations on who you can get and scheduling and all this kind of stuff. And that's so when we were doing the recordings from a Brooklyn apartment and we lived, you know, way, way out in Brooklyn because it was cheap there. And so when we would invite people over, we would kind of get them to agree before knowing where they were going. (laughs) And then they would show up. Um, But fortunately, like we were pretty clean people. Our place was freshly remodeled and clean. So it wasn't like a creepy situation, but a I, clean space is not good for acoustics. No, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to again on your podcast. I mentioned Mark Maron so much, but uh, part of the reason why Mark Maron's podcast sounds so well engineered yeah. is because he does it in a very, very messy garage. So yeah. the more mess you have is actually the best. Don't encourage bad behavior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one. Uh, oh, I I want the one that keeps the house. Yes, and I'm the one who wants to mess it up. I wanted to hang these panels you have are amazing. I wanted to hang them from our apartment, put them all over. And she was like, no, we're not doing that. So I said, okay, compromise. I'm going to code the inside of all of our doors to the living space. That way, when you close the doors, you don't see anything, but you can open all the kitchen cabinets and the closet doors (laughs) that have acoustic panels on the inside. That's amazing. I don't know how much effect they actually had, but at least for my own... I don't know, mental weird state. It, yeah, it, it had some kind obsessional of... with things when he really gets into it. Yeah. So, Well, you know, the, the science of acoustics is really fascinating because I had an acoustics expert come to the space to give me some advice. He, I, I, I didn't pay him. He was a fellow dad at my kid's school that was more than happy <laughs> to, uh, to help. And I, I brought him in and I said, I want to just cover this whole space with this acoustical foam because yeah. I thought that not only would that sound good, but it would look really cool, like very Star Wars-y. But then he came in and he's like, no, 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 no. You've got those electrical panels over there. That's great. You've got this brick wall. It's perfect. Brick walls are great because it scatters the sound. It doesn't, mm. if you covered up all the walls with, with acoustical panels, it would sound completely dead. Yeah. So he, he enlightened me. I, it was a surprise. I, I, I didn't realize that the, you know, optimum space kind of combines a balance of highly absorbent material and also kind of uh, 
diverse collection of like rough materials. Yeah. 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 Mess. You got to have mess. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that bad. (laughs) Do you go with the mess route, Ken? Uh, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Wait, so I was wondering, where where are you guys located, Ken and Donna? I'm in uh, Minneapolis, originally from New Jersey, but uh, I live in Minneapolis now. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I'm in Indianapolis, but uh, <laughs> grew up Philly. <laughs> grew up in Arizona. Previously Philly, previously Detroit, like all over the place, oh, like wow. all over. But I'm in Indianapolis now, and I'm recording today from my office, which is excellent because it's the firm I work at, Roland Design. We have these enclaves, so we have an open studio, which I know there's a lot of hate for open offices these days, but Mm -hmm. I love an open studio personally. And yet, then we have these little enclaves that are rooms you can go in and shut the door, and it's perfect for me to do a podcast in here. Nice. I I love doing it from work rather than from home, because at home, I'm usually like sitting on the bed and balancing the (laughs) microphone and, yeah. (laughs) Netflix and whilst podcasting. (laughs) Spilling the wine all over your bed. (laughs) So before we talk more about your podcast, I want to go way back. Marina, I assume you're not from this country, just based on the I accent. don't know why you assume. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Mississippi? No. Yeah, oh, definitely So you're Mississippi. from France, I assume. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and when did you come to the U.S.? Well, my first time coming to the U.S. was 2009-2010. I did a one-year exchange program in California during my fourth year in school. Then went back to France, and then we I moved to New York with David in 2011. So I've been here since. So have you guys been together for like- nine years in a week? Oh, wow. Oh, so you're counting. Okay. So have we. Everything we- <laughs> matters. Have we officially broken that news or is that something that you guys have mentioned on your show that you guys are a couple? I think it's been mentioned on the show, but it's not something we we talk about a whole lot. It's really personal about those things. So yes. it's, it's my personal life. I don't want people knowing about it. No, I mean, yeah, it comes up on the show, um, okay. but uh, we don't tell our guests up front. I don't know why we don't, but as you pointed out, maybe it's confusing for some of them because they see how close we are and they're wondering like, what's the story it's with the this best. thing? It's the best. Like oftentimes at the end of the episodes, the guests are like, so are you guys? Are you guys a couple? <laughs> we're like, yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We've been together since she came over to, because I, I went to Cal Poly, mm-hmm. uh, San Luis Obispo, San Luis Obispo, and that's where she studied abroad and that's how we... We met. And so do you guys not live in Brooklyn now, is what I'm understanding. Yeah, we're back in SoCal now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we moved to California this last year, I guess. Last summer? Yeah, yes. last summer. Yeah. yeah, New York was too cold. So we're like, no, that's it. No more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure these days, looking at the weather across the country, you're glad that you made that decision. Oh, yes. So David, you, you're you originally from California, right? Yeah, Orange County. And then did my undergrad at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, straight out of high school. Was there for six years, and then right afterwards uh, was so tired of California and suburban life and all that kind of stuff and cars. So we escaped to New York City, and we're there for about seven years or so, something like that. Yeah, yeah. You guys miss New York? Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, yes and no. Like, you know, our close, close friends are there still, so it's... We feel like we have no one here sometimes. Yeah. The food, you know, like all the cool places to go and the fact that you could just walk anywhere, jump on a train and be places. So suburban life and, and SoCal living is very different. But the food here, I think, is better. It's cheaper. <laughs> if, as long as you're willing to drive That's the thing. at least a half an hour. Right. The food is incredible in LA. No, I think there's really good food in LA. There's a lot of really crappy food in New York City. 
and oh, expensive. Yeah. It's weird. I so far I don't miss it, but I have this fear inside of me that one day that switch is going to go off, and I'm going to miss <laughs> New York a lot, and I'm going to regret ever moving to California <laughs> again. Um, and and you know we might be going back to the city, uh, New York City, next year for a wedding or something. And we, I think, had an opportunity to stop over there on the way to somewhere else. But I was just, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of going back yeah. so soon. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to France in March. And I was telling him, well, maybe, you know, we could make a stop in New York on the way there because you could do that. He's like, no, no, I don't think I'm ready yet. <laughs> I was like, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> so New York is a good friend, but we might wait a little bit before we, we see that friend again. Well, one thing that I can recommend from experience is don't even think about moving back to New York if you have kids. Uh, oh yeah, because we tried. My my wife and I tried really New York for a few weeks. For a few weeks. For two weeks. <laughs> well, the plan was to stay longer, but our daughter was in a in a in a stroller. She was very young, but this was right before, like actually immediately before the Wall Street crash in two thousand eight. Uh -huh. So that kind yeah. of sealed the deal yeah. that we're not going to be moving to New York. But it was very difficult with kids and oh, stores. Yeah. yeah, we have uh, plenty of friends who are still out there and some of them have kids and they work. They both work full time at architecture offices and stuff and living that life. And I think seeing that for the two of us, we just thought, like no, no, no way. We're not doing that. That's too crazy. I can barely wake up to get to work as it is. And the idea of me holding like a baby strapped to my chest on the subway. I don't think so. <laughs> I do not think so. I would trip and it would be bad. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, New York life is much tougher than than out here. But we part of the move to California. And in fact, maybe one of the biggest reasons was the fact we wanted to start our own practice. And I think we had known that that was going to be something we were going to attempt to do for quite some time. I think we knew it. And living in New York City, it just felt like there were too many constraints. Because we've also had friends who are trying to start their own practice, sometimes also with the kid <laughs> thrown into the mix. And also working full time. Yeah. And also working full time. And it, it just seemed like all their cards were stacked against you in that situation. And the city, it's weird when we moved there for the first, I don't know how many years, it felt like we were getting a lot from being in New York City. Like we're, we're squeezing like all the juice from it and we're just gaining by just being there, walking down the street. And then at some point, that relationship to New York changed where it felt like it was taking more from us. And so that's, I think, when we both knew like, okay, we're not really getting anything else from this, from being here. And we have these other aspirations. Let's try and find a place that's going to allow us to get to the next part of our lives, um, career-wise at least. Yeah. So have you done that? Have you started a firm? Uh, it's in the works. It's in the works. It's excellent. In the it takes way more time than, you know, you would think when you don't know how to start a firm. <laughs> <laughs> they don't teach you how to do it in architecture school. So they, yeah, they, you have yeah. to kind of figure it out on the go. They don't. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's like a whole a whole new game. You have to know, learn how to play. So it's, it's an exciting project, though. Yeah, we're so used to doing design work, design projects um, for ourselves or for clients or for offices. And the idea of having what it could be essentially considered also a design project, but that's your office, is different. And we've the, the the journey so far has been really great. And we're in a fortunate position where financially and, and with the living situation where we have the time to kind of the time and the space to think about what we want to do and plan accordingly and not have to take a bunch of jobs we're not interested in doing kind of thing. So it's been good so far. When it launches, we'll let you guys know. And we'll, then we'll see how, how it's actually Excellent. going. <laughs> what kind of projects would you like to take on in a practice? Like, what, what, how do you see your practice? Well, so I, our, <laughs> our professional experience from New York is pretty varied. We worked on all kinds of things, which I think was good to kind of build the skills that 
we need to have our own business. We definitely each have preferences on like certain types of project. But I think because of where we are now and where we're starting, single family home would probably be where we start, yeah. you know, but if we can do giant school project or museums or you name it, we're totally open to it. I think we're both very interested in, you know, very eclectic types of things. We don't necessarily want to focus in one thing and just do that for 40 years. We would love to learn and explore. So that also comes from the types of projects. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this future office for quite some time. And I think our vision of the office is, is, is hopefully something that's different from what usually happens. We see it as being, I, I wouldn't say interdisciplinary because that's almost an overused word, but there may be more components to it than the traditional architecture office. And one of them would be like the podcast. And, and my fascination and passion for teaching could possibly come into a play too, but there are different kind of angles to how we see the workplace. And I it'd be nice to build something that is a bit more dynamic in that sense. So in a way, I've always thought that like offices should be run like a school and you should understand your employees to be students in a way, as opposed to them just being kind of the workforce that do what you want them to do. I want my employees to pay me tuition. <laughs> That's the main part of it, having to be a school. I'm working on it. <laughs> But we have pretty large ambitions. I mean, my my master's degree is in urban design. And so I tend to be equally drawn to social questions and urban design questions just as much as architectural ones. And so in the future, you know, when people ask us, like, what kind of projects do you want to end up doing? I want to design cities. But starting off, perhaps maybe trying to design a city for an actual client is not the most prudent way to do things. So I think the single family residential question is a good one. And it's something that we are yearning to get back to because it's, I mean, obviously in architecture, that's kind of the typology where a lot of ideas get worked out. So that seems to be a very good starting point. Do you feel like the process of, of running Midnight Charette, the podcast, has helped inform any decisions about how you are approaching the starting up of, a, of an architecture practice? That is a good question. Has there been anybody you've talked with that's uh, kind of been in the mold of, that you would want to, or the path, or has carved a path that you'd like to follow, or maybe you haven't interviewed them yet? I don't think we've interviewed them yet. And that's nothing, that's nothing against the guests we've had so far. I mean, I, you know, the reality is that the, the biggest struggle for having your own practice is just getting clients anyway. So anyone who's able to turn a profit and like hats off to them, I almost don't want to hold criticism against those people because it is so difficult. I, I think because we forced ourselves to do the podcast, and in other words, and the, for the first year, just the two of us sit down for an hour and a half to three hours and talk about stuff. It also forced us to really think through our own ideas and our own preconceptions of what an office is. And, you know, everyone, they go on Friday nights and they have drinks and they bitch and moan about their bosses and things like that. But when you are forced to talk about it for a couple hours in depth, I think then you really begin to dissect what, you know, the inner workings of why things aren't better. And so I think that's been something that I don't know if would have happened if we didn't have that format that we had to adhere to. Oh, even just having guests that, you know, are very focused on one thing and they're trying to do it really well and they're persisting in doing it and they're determined. Just meeting people who have those ambitions and determination, I think, is very, very helpful for us. You mm. know, like we had uh, Ignacio Rodriguez on our podcast who started his firm six years ago and now is extremely successful and his personality 
as a human and an architect is inspiring. Like I want to be like him in six years because he's yeah. an awesome person. Actually, he managed to get you know his business where he wanted to take it. So it's, it's he, he would probably be the one person that was him and his wife. They they both have the office. They were one of the more inspiring ones in terms of the profession and running a place. And his philosophy, I thought, was really interesting. It was straightforward, but it was that he, he's basically just a really nice person and a really good person. So he will constantly give out advice for free to younger people or to peers. And then he will work really hard to satisfy his clients or like his consultants that he has if a project goes south, he still pays his consultants from his own pocket because he treats them, even though they're not hired by, they're not, they don't work for him like full time. He treats them as if they're part of their team. So he has this kind of mentality or philosophy about how running a practice or just working with people that maybe coming from New York and the cutthroat environment that we were used to was very refreshing. And it was kind of almost a different way to view how to treat people in general, well, yeah. <laughs> but how to, how to do a business. Because I think in New York, it's kind of like, there's almost a mentality sometimes where in order for me to become successful, it's going to be at the expense of someone else. Yeah. Or I don't care if it's at the expense of someone else. But he doesn't operate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he didn't operate that way. And I thought there was, it was nice. Yeah, it was painful working in New York City. It didn't matter what you do. It mattered more about who you knew. Oh, it, yeah. it had nothing to do with your practical experience or what you brought to the team. It's like, oh, you you oh, you know the Dalai Lama? Oh, okay, cool. You could talk to me now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's also the, the the that type of stuff, you know, we kind of get tired of it at the end by being in New York. Like this whole competition game of what office have you been working at? How long were you in that office for? You know, yeah, like, what yeah. can you bring me by working in my firm? And it's like, yeah, but you're not investing in me. You're just investing in my, the names I have on my portfolio. And I mean, we've always refused to play that game when we were in New York. And at some point we're like, why are we even here still? It doesn't make, doesn't make any sense for us. Yeah. I've heard it's really difficult to start up a, a small practice in New York if you don't have a very well-established community built in. So when you started your podcast, like what was, what was the grand vision of Midnight Charette? You know, when it first started, the funny thing was we didn't tell anyone that we were doing it. <laughs> and literally we told, I think two close friends and our parents, maybe for like the first eight months, well, no one had, knew. And we had pseudo names. And we used fake names. I remember that. Because I remember <laughs> yeah. when the podcast first came out, I was like, who's behind this podcast? And I remember, yeah. didn't you go by Bruce or something? Yeah. 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 And, well, your last name's Lee, so that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember and I, did I was like, I, was like I, I don't know who does this podcast. <laughs> that was the biggest problem is that by doing that, no one knew who we were. <laughs> it was such a dumb idea. So when you had guests in your studio, you wore masks? Or... <laughs> no, that's why we didn't and have we... guests. And when we had guests, and they were friends and they knew just to keep names out of it. Yeah. I mean, no, it no, was... No, no, no. Then our guest friends had also to pick a pseudonym yeah, to be yeah. on the episode. And then it just, it just got crazy because then there's three people in a room who were all using fake names. And it, and sometimes we had four, two guests over. So there's four people with fake names. And it's kind of like, I'm not sure what's happening right now. But so th we did that because, you know, we were hesitant because we had never ventured out into anything in the entertainment or broadcasting kind of realm. And we've done, again, plenty of projects and we've written and thought about things, but it's always like a lot of work to prepare one thing, whether that be a presentation or a design board or a design, and that's it, right? Then it gets, it just floats around in the universe. But the idea of speaking like more extemporaneously was not something we had practiced. So there was that kind of fear element, but also we knew from the very beginning that we wanted to tackle some of the 
more taboo subjects that come up in our profession. An easy one is like pay or how people are treated in the office. And we want to discuss them with complete honesty and perhaps at times. And freedom. And freedom. And, you know, we wanted to find where that line was by crossing that line. And when we started the podcast, we were both working for pretty big firms. I was working at KPF. At KPF? Yeah, KPF. Yeah, yeah. Marina was at Cook Fox. And these were both offices that we wanted to be at. Out of all offices in New York City, those were the two we wanted to end up at. And so then we had this, again, kind of a fear, like, well, if we say all this stuff and our employers find out, is this going to be a problem? So we said, let's adopt pseudonyms and that will allow us to say anything and we won't care. And it was, looking back, it, it was, as Marina said, kind of really stupid because you can't share the pot. Like no one knew about it. It, just, it existed in kind of a black hole. At the same time, it was so freeing. Even now we're pretty much, we pretty much, we pretty much say whatever we want on our show, but, but it's, uh, it's yeah, different. It, it's awkward, right? If you want to start talking about pay, yeah. <laughs> basically talking about how much you're paid in the office you're currently working at and one of your coworkers finds out about your podcast and what you're saying, you know, it comes up to your boss. It might not be the best type of situation. Or you're talking shit about your coworker because you don't like them. <laughs> or yeah, that. I mean, the same the same issue came up in, in the podcast, in, in the episode where I was on your show mm-hmm. about how we have allowed anonymous users in our forum for years because there is there is a legitimate reason sometimes to not disclose your identity yeah. in order to share information without any kind of pushback. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to point to, Paul, was that, David, you went ahead and, and started a thread on Arconnect today, which I love. <laughs> that The title of it is, OK, you trolls, here's why you're able to survive on Arconnect. And it, it takes on this question and it, it points to the podcast that you guys recorded with Paul. But it also takes on this question of, yeah, should people be able to post anonymously? And of course, there are there's some good discussion going on about it right now. I'm I'm looking at it right now. And it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I have been non-anonymous on Arconnect for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it has been to my benefit to go ahead and be known. Mm-hmm. It has bit me really seriously in the ass once, really badly, really? but I moved beyond it. Did you regret it when it bit you in your ass or did you, in hindsight, do you see it as a valuable experience? I don't want to make this podcast about me, but it was absolutely a valuable experience, mm-hmm. but it was um, extraordinarily painful. And I don't regret for a moment what I actually posted on Arconnect. What happened was that the follow-up, I I reacted badly. It was not on Arconnect at all. Oh. Mm. Um, but no, I have no regrets. I mean, I made a dick joke. I made a dick joke on Arconnect. If people aren't adult <laughs> enough to under to you know laugh at dick jokes, yeah, that's I'm, not that that's, bad. That's not my problem. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Arconnect some days is a dick joke. <laughs> I'm not saying in general, but oh. some days. <laughs> some days, <laughs> exactly. On Wednesdays, Wednesday specifically, if it was like this, actually was on a Wednesday, as it turns out, because it was the day after election yeah, day. So I know that oh. it was a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> That day, anybody but, can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, yeah. seriously. No. Yeah, exactly. But I am all for more openness and things like talking about pay. And I think people like the architecture lobby are doing a great job of trying to get us all to be a little more open about that stuff. But I also agree when you when you are an employee, as I am, you're not only sharing your information, you're sharing your employer's information. Yeah. So it gets to be a little, you know, you have to be careful. Yeah. And I think at that time, I was listening to the Joe Rogan Experience a lot, which is a podcast. Uh-huh. And for people who don't know what it is, it's like, what, one and a half to three hours to four hours sometimes of um, the most insane thing. Yes. 
Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and they're smoking weed and getting high, and and he has all of his comedian friends, and we can so do that th- now. So this, yeah, I, we're in California. <laughs> we're, so. That's the next phase. That's right. You are. <laughs> Actually, before before it became legal, there was a podcast called Getting Dug with with High. <laughs> and it, it was by nice. Uh, it was it was hosted by nice. a comedian named Doug who likes to smoke a lot of weed, and he would just have. His guests come on and there was a table full of, you know, edibles and yeah. different types of paraphernalia. And you could just kind of engage in whatever you want in the podcast. We yeah. just go in whatever direction <laughs> the wind blew, the smoke-filled <laughs> wind blew. But um, so, I mean, speaking of anonymity and being careful what you say, it's I noticed that in every description of the Midnight Charette podcast, you specifically mention that it's an explicit podcast. Does that mean like language or... Uh, uh, both language and that it's going to be and just opinions. kind of upfront. Um, it's become sometimes I feel like we've become too vanilla, which might surprise some people. I don't know. Because from where we started, again, I, I was in the headspace of the Joe Rogan experience. And with our shield of no one knowing us, like we were saying all kinds of outrageous things that I'm, I guarantee if someone went through and found a soundbite that would get us into trouble now. For sure, those existed. Because again, for me, the, the exercise was to find the line by crossing it. So we kept explicit in to warn people, but also as a way to may, maybe differentiate ourselves from other podcasts. Because I think there are a lot of shows that are informal like ours, but they still feel very, I don't know, uptight. Like it's the, polished, polished maybe, polished. or they don't go to certain places because they're afraid to. And so by having the explicit in there, it's it's one for our listeners, but also I think for ourselves to remind ourselves kind of the position we're trying to take within the sphere of, of radio podcast stuff. I remember we had Elizabeth Timmy on our podcast and she came into the studio and she even brought, she made her own sign that said, that she put in front of her that says that said don't say fuck <laughs> um that's like don't think of the pink elephant the first thing you're gonna do is think of the pink <laughs> so i immediately she's said, my hero she is still my hero just for that <laughs> yeah. yeah i love her she's, she's a hero on many levels but that, that was, she is she's awesome i really uh it was very endearing, but I immediately threw that away. <laughs> As fellow podcasters, you probably know that if you've got that explicit rating on your podcast, your listens are probably going to be a little higher. Really? I thought it was the other way. It's not. <laughs> but that raises the question. Do you guys like track your metrics on your podcast or? Uh, yeah, we, we do. We, we do, do, but we don't like to. <laughs> we don't like to because it's, I don't know, it just takes forever to look at it, analyze it, now do something with it, you know? And it's really hard to actually have metrics that helps us in a way. Like we ideally we would like to know how long would do people listen the episodes for? Is it two seconds? Is it half an hour? Is it the food length? Are episodes too short, too long? You know, like how could we improve our content basically? Yeah. I mean, the only data that you get, you know, through Squarespace when you have a website is, oh, well, you have people in India and people in France who are listening to you and you know roughly the numbers, you know, you know roughly the downloads of your episodes and stuff like that. But the actual, what did they think about what we were saying? What do they think about the themes and the questions we're bringing? That's the real feedback that, that we are interested in. That is really hard to get, actually. Yeah, that's tougher to get. That's not easy. I don't like looking at the stats just because it's, I end up thinking about them too much. It's that plain and simple. <laughs> I'd rather operate pretending that I have like 50,000 or 50 million people listening. But when I know it's not the case, I'd rather just make believe there's a big audience. <laughs> <laughs> 
I only look at them, Paul, for uh, for hours to see how many Minnesotans listen to us. And when I find out they don't, I really don't give a shit too much about Minnesota architecture. <laughs> if they were smarter, they'd be listening. That's right? the mentality. That's the mentality. You should put a billboard yeah. up in Minnesota. Yeah, I'm very spiteful. So, I, I, I hold a grudge. I hold it's the a, Jersey. I hold a grudge. I mean, we. I had that same mentality when you're when we were in New York City applying to places, not about the podcast, but, you know, applying for jobs at offices, it was like, if you don't want to hire me and you end up hiring someone else that's, you know, around my age and experience, then screw you. You you missed out kind of thing. If you end up hiring some a senior partner, then that's fine. I can deal with that. I'm not going to compete with that person. <laughs> that's how I felt when I applied for the uh, job as Dean of Taliesin West and Aaron Betsky got it. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, of course they hired Aaron, not me. I'm nobody. I just applied because I grew up in Scottsdale. I was like, oh, it'd be fun to go back to Arizona. I think I'll apply. And then, yeah. I didn't know that you applied. Yes, I did. I'm sure you I were. Uh, you I were mean, a, it uh... really was a lark. It was like, yeah, I'm going to apply just to tell my mom that I'm doing it and make her happy. Because <laughs> my family's still in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they chose Aaron. Oh, well. <laughs> So speaking of stats, maybe a little more shop talk, how do you guys manage your, like with, with podcasts for those out there that have never run a podcast, basically to distribute a podcast, you create a podcast feed and different services allow you, you know, um, are out there to generate that feed for you. For us, we use a system called Libsyn. Yep. yep. Same. You guys, same, you guys same, use Libsyn? Yeah. Yeah. They're amazing. It's kind of an industry standard. I mean, it's got to yeah. be one of the most hideous websites or <laughs> interfaces. So I mean, it looks like it was designed in the 90s. But you know what? So I, bad. I feel By like... one guy in his garage or something. I'm sure yeah. it is, but that guy is... Uh, he's probably <laughs> got a very nice, nice garage. Probably a nice garage. <laughs> probably not just one. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like for digital hosting and those kinds of technical things, you almost want the website to look crappy. Yeah. Because then you know the person running it is like really interested in numbers and stats and making sure things work and they don't care about how yeah. it looks. True. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> true. It's true. It's like when eBay paid right. a ton of money to design their logo. They intentionally, the first item in the brief was keep it ugly. Because <laughs> they, you know, that's what makes people yeah, know that they're going to get a good deal. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't want all that money spent on fancy user interface. Yeah. So you use Libsyn and then it's distributed through Apple iTunes and then Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Just those Libsyn, as you know, generates the RSS mm -hmm. feed or link, link to the feed. And then we just send that out to Apple, to Spotify, to pretty much any podcast database that exists that we can submit to for free is on there. So we're on Stitcher as well. Uh, when we first started, we were using SoundCloud because they were free and for a number of reasons. But after doing a bit of research, apparently that platform had problems and like their stats were not as reliable as uh, they needed to be in order for sponsorship and things like that. Mm. And the company itself was having issues. And so, the, the, the support team also wasn't very yeah. responsive. The Libsyn support team, if anyone thinking about doing a podcast, you just go with Libsyn, don't go with Spot uh, with uh, SoundCloud or anything like that. They have one guy, I think, who takes care of all the customer service, <laughs> Dave Johnson, because I'm responsible probably for half of his <laughs> requests. And he always gets back to me within, within 18 hours. Mm. And they're not like one-liners that are unhelpful. He writes whole things and does screenshots. It's amazing. I don't know. He must. Maybe he's a robot. Maybe he's a robot. That's all he does. But it's it's really fantastic. So yeah, plug for Libsyn. <laughs> and they also give you free like Android and iOS apps too, right? We've never oh, really? used those, oh, I but, but I think with an account, it comes with a an app that is 
is equally beautiful as the Libsyn website. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's yeah, not the prettiest experience, but for people that you know maybe don't have a website, you know, yeah. so it's a way to to let people follow. And then, um, and then your equipment. I, I I remember. I think you guys use the same. We have the same. Yep, yep. Yeah. These are yep. like the uh, kind of the industry standard. I remember when I went down to Guitar Center, which is just a few blocks from our office. I went there, and the guy that was working there, I said, "I'm starting a podcast. I need some equipment." Not sure what to get. And he's like, you know, Joe Rogan was just in here. I get all the stuff for him. And I was like, well, his podcast sounds pretty good. So I just got the same thing. Yeah. The same stuff that he, yeah. Got, that yeah. he had. So <laughs> did he sell you a bag of weed with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a, it was a similar thing for us. It was basically looking at what people generally use. And then I did more research. And then the real audio files were like, you have to go to the store and choose the mic that's best for your voice. I'm like, I'm not doing any of that. Also, the Shure SM7B looks sweet. It's clean. It's black. I don't want to go with some other weird, funky-looking thing, so we went with those. But we did start it with uh, we did start with the like the lapel mics. The, well, we had a cheap lapel mic then that we used for all of one time, but literally once. And I was like, "Guy, this is not good enough." Despite us not even having launched the podcast, this won't be good enough. As I mentioned, David gets obsessional yeah. when uh, he gets really into something, so <laughs> we tested pretty much every types of mics until we got to. Uh, the one we have. Yeah, and then the next one were just the Audio Technica is. We got the 2005s, which is the same thing as the 2100s. It was like a $60 mic, and those are pretty good. And then I went on a, on a trip to – so we were in New York. I went on a trip to California, and of course, during a trip, I have plenty of time to be on my phone looking for stuff. eBay. Bought three mics on eBay. Showed up at the apartment. Rune is like, what is this, and why is there a bill on our credit card for – X hundreds of dollars. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. These are a good deal, though. And we're going to need these in the future. <laughs> and then the huge cardboard box of foam panels, you know, for the kitchen cabinets. Yeah. <laughs> so it was Christmas every day. <laughs> I'm like, what's next? <laughs> next I love this vision. The, the I love it. <laughs> I want to get the, you know, the mic arms that he has, which are the uh, Yellow Tech Mica arms. Yeah, those are nice. Yeah, those are like four hundred dollars yeah. a pop. Yeah, those are really nice. It'd be nice to like kind of customize a table with the arms coming through the mm-hmm. the table and everything. With Joe Rogan's podcast, it's interesting because most people that I know that listen to his podcast actually watch his podcast. Really? Yeah. Because it's on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and I personally could not imagine doing that because I'm always listening to podcasts while I'm yeah doing stuff doing something that does not allow me to watch something. But yeah, it's nice to be able to see when you do want to see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're smoking weed with yeah. Elon Musk, right? You I did, I did yeah. watch that, that, that <laughs> part with Elon Musk. So I love, you guys have this, like, it, it, you produce a really good podcast. I mean, the sound is always excellent. It's it's always interesting topics. You sort of have a nice conversational flow. Um, but you also seem like you just have this sort of very casual attitude of, oh, yeah, let's get these mics. Let's, you know, let's try doing it in the kitchen cabinet. I, I want to ask you. I don't think they host it in the kitchen cabinet. But. In the kitchen that cabinet. That could be a concept. Well, it would, it would set up the, yeah, set up the space. I want to ask about your, specifically in your earlier episodes, your titles were very funny. <laughs> and I'm thinking of one in particular, which is episode number 38, which is called Dirty Vegan Roommates and Hipsters Have Ruined Design. <laughs> Can you, like, do you uh, remember that one? I do, yeah. So how did you start? coming up with those kind of topics and then labeling them in that way. It just happens. That's life. Well, That's the, dirty, right. yeah, the dirty vegan roommates is from true experience yeah. so that's yeah that's that's that. <laughs> yeah, those are actual roommates that Marina had whilst she was at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo 
and they were exactly that. They were dirty vegan roommates. Yeah. Like if you, I don't know if anyone watches like Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They have the Mc, McBoyle siblings. <laughs> they were basically like that. And they were, <laughs> what was the story? They had a lizard. They had a, a, a dragon lizard type that was really old. Her name was Captain Lily Sprinkles. Captain Lily Sprinkles. And she was ill. So they had to put her on a bath towel by the swimming pool in the sun for the whole day before they left for school with a thermometer to make sure that it was warm enough on the towel for her not to die. And the thing was barely moving. I'm like, what, what's the point of having a pet that's that boring, you know? And Christmas holidays come and we go out with my, my other friends who are living in the house and we come back after the holidays. And we're like, hey, where is Captain Lily? <laughs> and we found out that Captain Lily was in a cardboard box in our freezer <laughs> next to our frozen food <laughs> because Captain Lily <laughs> passed away and they couldn't spray the ashes of Captain Lily in like, the places they wanted to take her to. So they just figured, let's just put her in the freezer for now and, you know, go whenever we have a chance. So that's the kind of thing that, you know, makes you wonder, like, what is wrong with people? Like... Yeah, I, I that, don't, that's don't get that's my food that's next to your dead animal. <laughs> you See, that, that story alone is enough of a justification to start a podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what people want to hear about. I actually wish I think I you know I, I wish I kept track of all of the stories with these roommates because there's so oh. many of them that I think we would have been set up for like you know 20 episodes of podcasting. Oh, I would go over there sometimes and uh, we're sitting on the couch and there's crickets like bouncing around. I'm like, you guys have crickets? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're for, they're for the, the, dra the, they're the for pet Captain dragon. They're for Captain Lily, yeah. Right. So they just put the crickets around the living room and he would run around and eat them. This is kind of surreal. This is not normal behavior. Like you all understand. You guys should write a. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was you should write bad. a Netflix, a Netflix series about this. <laughs> she be. was doing, she was doing dog sitting, but she wasn't there. Uh, so you come back in your house, there's a giant dog in your living room. You're like. Whose dog is that? And she comes back and out and, oh, I'm doing dog sitting. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not in the house. That's not dog sitting. That's like more like consensual dog nap. Yeah. <laughs> it is like dog napping. Oh, my God. The other thing you guys do that I love is you talk about movies. And I sometimes oh. early on in sessions, we would talk about movies a little, but I, and I could talk about movies all day. But I especially do remember listening to the um your episode on Skyscraper starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> oh, yes. That's, oh, I never, I, I haven't seen that it. movie was so terrible. It's one of the best And I loved ever. it so much. In an ironic way. <laughs> In an ironic way. But your, your dad really likes it, though, know, so I'm a little worried. Is that the one about the invisible skyscraper? No, no. it's the one. There's some. It, it's, uh, let's see, what is it? So Dwayne Johnson. He is plays a securities a, expert. Yes. He's a security expert and he goes to, is it Hong Kong, I think? I think it's yeah. Hong Kong, yeah. To become a security expert for this guy, this billionaire who's built this um, skyscraper with a like safe room at the top. And then, of course, there's someone invades it. And the thing is that he plays a paraplegic. So in the movie, he's missing a leg, right? So right. the narrative right. that's sold to like the audience, potential audience, is like, this is a great story for paraplegics to show that you can be a superhero. Okay, one, it's the rock no one's buying that no one's buying the idea that i could be the rock even if i didn't have a leg and he also doesn't have a leg and he uses so him not having a leg th th it, one, it's basically one. used as like a swiss army knife in the movie it's one plot point <laughs> exactly it's one he point. uses it to hang from like <laughs> ropes from the side of the building he uses it to hold the door open like it's the most outlandish <laughs> thing it's really weird. <laughs> it's really weird, yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. Well, and the weird part is that it's actually not, I mean, it's there in the movie, but it's not really what 
revolves what the movie revolves around but Not when you watch way. the yeah. the the backstage of how the movie was shot and thought and 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 the plot and all that that's what they're selling you yeah. it's like no but that wasn't what the movie was about just about this crazy guy who like managed to survive all this crazy stuff <laughs> and he happens to have a fake leg in his hand and does a bunch of stuff with it but that's it oh my god <laughs> but it's, i mean i love I, any movie about buildings or architecture, yeah. of course, yeah. I love. So I, of course, had to watch it. And it was hilarious and wonderful and terrible. It was so terrible. <laughs> and then I just felt like I needed to share that experience with some people. And no one I knew had seen it, really. So <laughs> I found, I was like, I wonder. And you guys had reviewed it. So it made me feel like, okay, I was having a shared experience over the, <laughs> the you, true terribleness. I'm glad it was useful for someone. <laughs> yeah, you can thank my dad for that. Because we would not have watched it except he forced it on us. Because he red boxed it. I'm like, oh, who's red boxing things? <laughs> Our dads. Uh, people that don't want to throw away their DVD players, I guess. So do you ever, um, so you guys like like movies? We love talking about movies. Um, we're not aficionados, I would say, but. I'm I, terrible I th- with people's names and <laughs> stories really of movies. So um, but I, I think what we hopefully bring to the table um, is that because we're both architects and trained in that profession, that we have a, a little more of a specific take or unique take on movies and see certain things. And that kind of gets to what we had always thought the podcast to be in the broadest scope, is that even though we state it's about design, architecture, and people, people is added in there just to basically broaden it to everything in the universe. But even though we say it's about design and architecture, it's really more about the world from the eyes of two architects or two designers and their design guests. And that's also why we've intentionally maintained a certain amount of content that is not about architecture, such as vegan roommates and hipsters, um, <laughs> because I, I do, I, I may do, I think the, the architect listeners, they will understand this and the, the, to the non-architect listeners, this will sound arrogant, but I think architects do have a unique way of seeing things. And damn straight. Absolutely. Yeah, and so exactly. Raise the flag. And so, you know, that's kind of where we're coming from. That's great. I mean, I, I've, that's always kind of like my response, either if I actually type it out or if I just think about it, whenever anything <coughs> is posted on Archonnect that is not strictly architectural or not at all architectural, but it's being discussed or it's being reported on, usually there, there will be, there's like a three or four people in our community that will immediately respond and be like, slow news day or like, you know, why is this on Archonnect? And it, it really, it truly is because this is something that we think architects would be very interested in. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're looking for the kind of the architectural perspective on this issue. And that that can be extended to anything outside yeah. of architecture. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it in school, like one of the most common kinds of things that happens in studio is you look at stuff that's not architecture to understand architecture. So it's a perfectly valid way to, perfectly valid conversation to have, you know, around something that's a beer or, or hipsters. You can extract either direct content or some kind of thinking that could lead you to understand design in a different way. And this is, I think what we found on the podcast is that's a continual thing, is that we'll end up talking about, we will find ourselves talking about something unrelated to architecture and design, but somehow it relates to a, our thought processes we have uh, regarding those things. At least it feels that way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I think, it. you know, we're, we have critical opinions about things and I've I feel like to maintain your 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 critics, you kind of it's you have to work it out. You have to work out, right? You have to keep analyzing things and questioning things because if you stop, then that's it. I mean, you're dead, right? Like, what's what's the point? I think also the profession's really struggled with bridging the gap between itself and the rest of the world. 
And I, I do feel like if you sit around and talk about building facades and technical things and whatever, and really specific architecture minutiae, no one's going to tune in or they're very less likely to tune in. And th- this question is something that we're always thinking about. And then perhaps discussing other subjects is a way to help solve that problem, you know? So talking about movies, we actually just started the Midnight Red Movie Talk series, which is a a new arm we're growing from the Midnight <laughs> Charrette. Yeah. On the podcast? On, On the, the podcast, okay. yeah. Because yeah. We, we've, we found ourselves talking about movies and TV shows quite often. And we love watching movies and TV shows. So we we're thinking, you know, why not make it an actual topic and things that regularly get published on the podcast? Can you give us a, uh, a sneak peek at some of the movies or, or TV shows that you have uh, already talked about or plan to? Yeah. So uh, the first one was actually about Killing Eve, the TV series that was on Hulu? BBC or something. Hulu? It was on Hulu for a bit, starring Sandra Oh. She's a detective and she goes up against this psychopathic killer. And then the next episode was actually two movies in one. It was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the new cartoon movie. So good. And the animation is just incredible. It was crazy, right? Wow. And then Aquaman, <laughs> which is a oh, very different movie. Yeah. Come on, come on. Jason Momoa, come on. Come on right. Right. All right. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I side with Marina on this one. <laughs> Thank of course you, you're going to go see Aquaman. Come on. Um, and then, so, then the third one we did was on uh, comparing the two Mary Poppins movies, the old and the new. Oh, oh nice. That's awesome. So it's, it's, it's really good. And we're kind of, you know, we've launched it. We're, it's a trial thing to see how it goes. And Hopefully, I'm, I'm really hoping that it actually works out and we get listeners that are not from our Midnight Charette proper kind of group. Meaning that are not non-architects end up listening to this movie talk bit. Well, that's, you know, that's something that I that I think we have both recognized uh, when I say both. I mean, all of us here, you know, our podcast and your podcast is that, you know, even if we were to attract every single architect, <laughs> every podcast listening architect in the country, it's still a very small audience compared to like, you know, a, a typical like kind of This American Life or Mark Maron or Joe mm-hmm. Rogan kind of audience because it's it's very niche and in a way that's great. I mean, that's one of the nice things about podcasts is you can listen to a podcast about almost anything these days. Um, but in terms of sustainability, you know, if you want to start sustaining your podcast with advertising, I mean, I think that's that's why 99% Invisible started out very architectural. And now it's like, mm-hmm. it, it appeals to everybody. You definitely don't need to be an architect. And I think he's done a pretty good job of, yeah. with that podcast to kind of balance the appeal to the architecture and design community as well as everybody else. But yeah, that's how I think he, he made his podcast viable. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing though. Um, and it's a question that we are faced with even in establishing an office, right? Because- uh, right. When you're designing your website, who's the web, who's the website for? Is it for other architects? Are you trying to design it so you please yourself and you please other designers, or are you designing it for clients? If you're designing for clients, it's probably a lot different than the majority of the architecture websites you see. Right? It's a different user base. It's a different person you're trying to appeal to. Mm-hmm. And so, even on that that specific exercise, it's interesting. Like, what verbiage do we use? What words do we use to attract clients? to have them understand what we're talking about. Because we can say all kinds of architectural stuff, but you know, if we take a moment and read it and say, okay, wait, let me put on the hat of the average person who doesn't know any of this, or didn't, get, didn't go through architectural schooling, this would be really confusing to them. They don't know what number we're talking about. So it's, 
it's something that is, is a question that's always in the back of our minds. And it's one of the most important ones I think the profession has to face for sure. Yeah. That's my soapbox. <laughs> Thank you. That was a good one. A good soapbox to be on. very true. <laughs> so who have been some of your favorite guests that you've had since you've introduced guests on the show? I think you were one of one. Yeah. Oh. The obligatory yeah. answer. Yeah. Paul obviously. Really? No, really? He's extremely <laughs> likable, isn't he? He's lovely. Yeah. All your podcasts two hours long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very honored. Um, I'll pretend to believe that. Uh, <laughs> besides me. Okay. Um, well, so I, I will say, actually, Marina is correct. And I, and I agree. And we talked about it right after we had you on that you were a really good guest. One, I think because you're used to podcasting. So you know how to stay in front of the microphone. And it wasn't, I wasn't freaking out because we were getting bad audio. But also, you kind of understood how to enter that headspace to be free and, and just kind of talk and roll with where things are going. And to be more open. The struggle, as you know, is that when we have some, sometimes we have these guests over, they have in their mind something prepared to say, and that's all they're going to deliver, which is also why we intentionally book people for at least two hours, because it forces that guest after the, after the first hour, they're in uncharted waters now, right? They have no nothing else stored in their database to say. They have to come up with something. But all that said, who else? I don't even remember who we had. <laughs> I think uh, Michael Rusica who is yeah. the quote-unquote young architect that's his brand and also i guess who he is who who runs a a business which basically helps people pass the ares we could say he was a guest on the show we had never met him before he was one of the first people we had on that we did not know previously that came to our kitchen island yeah. and that we did not know <laughs> he just showed up um, i mean we invited him then he showed up and he was great because he was unfiltered and he just talked a mile a minute he had great stories like he had biked across the country like four times or something nuts and he's a certain person that provides interesting things to say. We've had bigger guests on, and some of them have been the worst interviews in my perspective because they're very stiff, you know. And um, it's tough to get people to kind of break down that wall to get something a little more honest from them. I don't. I'm trying to think who that's, else. We that's why we were so started when we had you know guests that were not just our friends coming in the show to do very long sessions it's because it takes a good hour to warm them up before they get loose and and feel more comfortable and start sharing things that are not necessarily where you're expecting them to be sharing on the show yeah. so yeah we, we did that for a while but the three hours is pretty pretty intense for everyone <laughs> it's super intense it's have you guys ever done like a super long recording not one, but I remember when we did the podcasting event, the live event at the Arroyo Seco Music Festival. It was just Nicholas and I that were going from 10 in the morning until 8 at night, oh. nonstop. And it was 110 degrees outside. Oh, and no. Was, and it was outside. So at the end of the day, I, I, my voice was pretty much gone. Yeah. It was funny because I was so exhausted. A bunch of friends were like waiting for me to finish so that we could go like listen to some music. And I literally pulled the, um, I got to go to the bathroom right now. And I went home <laughs> oh. and it was, it was so lame. It was so lame, but I had, I, I was done. I was done. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. very, very exhausting to talk for that long. And some That's people are crazy. good at it. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that can talk. So how many episodes was that? It wasn't one long when it was a bunch of like six or something. Oh, it was probably about 10. That wow, is crazy. That's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. Like but they were short. You know, they're not the, they, they weren't the typical length. Yeah. We had something similar. We did a trip to San Luis Obispo um, to visit a fam family friends. And in one of the days, 
we did three recordings back to back for seven hours, I think. Yeah. And uh, totally wiped out after after the end of it. We didn't even eat much we didn't in eat. between them. So we're like, you know, half about to faint and really tired. <laughs> and but the interesting thing was like to get to record three people back to back. And they were all uh, two were architects. Those two were also professors. Another one was an architectural photographer. But hearing three people talk back to back, you really got to see that their approach to the interview is entirely based on their personality, which sounds kind of obvious, I suppose. But I mean, the three conversations could not be more different. The first one was about, I don't know, life and stories. technology and stories and how it was a reflection on how this person was successful. And it was much more about social things like that. The second one was deep dive into our theory of architecture. And the last one was just about creativity. Let's talk about music, art, photography, spirituality, all mixed together. And when we looked back, it was like, wow, we have a much better understanding of these three people because we got to record them next to some others, mm. you know? Did you find that it was hard to kind of segue between guests considering they're all coming from such different places? It was because like one of the things we try and do is get the guests to talk about themselves. And usually that's, we find that's a good strategy because everyone likes to talk about themselves. And then the stories they have tend to be more personal and therefore interesting. But that only works if the guest is, feels comfortable to talk about their own lives and things like that. If they're more interested in talking about just architecture, then you have to kind of recognize that and shift toward that direction. So I would say, to answer your question, yeah, it, it was a little bit challenging to have some bleed over between the two because we're so used, we really, we're kind of in one headspace. It's interesting too when you do recordings back to back with guests because they come in and, you know, they're like fresh and ready to do their two hour recording. They come and then they go. But if you've already done one or two, you're kind of already tired. <laughs> and like your level of, you know, energy and, and, and presence and, and reactivity to what they're saying kind of goes down a little bit. So it's, it is like an intense workout. Like you have to keep going until the end kind of thing. So it's, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, we've toyed with the idea recently of not doing a one and a half. So right now we do 90 minutes with the two of us and around two hours when we have guests. And we're going to keep the longer format for guests for sure. But we're thinking that maybe we will try to do short 15 to 20 minute bursts and do three episodes a week when it's just the two of us instead of one 90 minute one. Mm. And we're probably going to try it just to see how it goes. Why not? One of our friends actually mentioned, he was like, do you guys don't think that your episodes are a little too long? Yeah. They were like, yeah, but you know, I mean... Sometimes it's nice. Everything those days is so instantaneous, short, you know, like very short satisfaction things that we feel like giving time and space for things to happen is kind of a necessity for us. But after we said that, we're kind of like, oh, shit, maybe they need to be shorter. <laughs> we, we got the same feedback when we first started the podcast and we did shorten them up quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Now we usually aim for about 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Usually like an hour of conversation, which ends up getting edited down to 45 minutes. Sure. And that seems to, that, that seems to have been our sweet spot. And there what did you start? times where we have, I mean, when we were talking with uh, Theaster recently, I think we would have loved to have had him for another three hours, but some of them are painful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the dynamic changes when you get to that two hour mark, it's like, 
everyone, including us two as hosts, you, you don't have anything else to say, you know, and you are really forced to just speak honestly because it's like, screw it. I'm exhausted. It's been two hours. I don't care what I say. Let's just talk about how I feel when I go to Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for me, those parts of the conversation are sometimes the most interesting because now I'm actually getting to know the person. Yeah. But it's just, it's kind of unfortunate it takes so long to get there sometimes yeah. because I get it. Like three hours, that's a long time to commit in, unless you're CAD drafting at work, which is a perfect time to listen to a three hour <laughs> podcast. Unless you're doing that, I don't know, I don't know where you find the time. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll try the shorter format and see how it goes. But we like the longer one for guests just to kind of give, give that kind of space because it does allow us to, to dissect more complicated issues that sometimes are hard to do in, in a short, short period. I mean, I may be wrong, but I feel like a lot of people listen to podcasts in our discipline while they're catting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's what I do. I mean, and so to me, having that long, it just helps me focus and keep keep producing, which I'm old enough. I shouldn't be doing that anymore. That's, I don't, I, I do enough project management now that I don't get as much time to listen to podcasts. It's like, sometimes I just want to spend eight hours catting and yeah. listening. Yeah. But you know, I just noticed the other day, I listen to podcasts all the time. So I'm surprised I just noticed this, this new, or maybe, maybe it's not a new feature. I was listening to a podcast the other day uh, called On Margins by Craig Maud. I don't mm. know if you're, uh, Craig Maud's a really interesting guy. And he, um, he has this podcast that is all about the books and usually mostly a focus on the design and production of books. And he had uh, Lisa Brennan Jobs, Steve Jobs daughter on to talk about uh, her book. And I noticed in this podcast, it's a really long podcast, but it was broken up into sections. And in the podcast app, you could actually see all the different oh, chapters. So like a with book? a long podcast, you know, if you're listening to it and you're like, I'm not into this, but like this topic looks really interesting. You can just jump to another part of the show. That'd be nice. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice, <laughs> especially for ours, because we, I mean, the case in point, the the, the dead lizard, uh, vegan roommates, and then the hipsters, like those are very <laughs> different, different things. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, it's just the two of us and we do a recording that's like an hour, an hour and a half. We might cover like six to 10 different topics. We might talk about a whole bunch of stuff. So if on the cover titles, it says we're talking about this, it might just be 10 or 15 minutes of the whole episode, right? So having this section, like you said, would help people to kind of just get to what they're interested in yeah. without necessarily chopping apart mm-hmm. the recording. So that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. So what's on the horizon for Midnight Charette? Are you planning on making any changes besides uh, experimenting with shorter yeah. episodes? Yeah, I think uh, there's been some talk about videos, but I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Another project of mine that I'm sucking Marina into. <laughs> I might just be the off voice somewhere in the background. <laughs> I want to get into the realm of video because I think it's interesting. I think it is more engaging for listeners and for followers or fans even. <laughs> I, I think video would be good. And I think putting a face to the voice is, is a powerful thing. But it's it's kind of another level of complication and everything else. I think that's the next big thing for for us, though, that we want to get started pretty soon. I always have this feeling of like once I have an idea for how something could be enhanced, like the video, every episode where we're not doing video from then on to me is like a negative. (laughs) So I have to do it as soon as possible. So I think that'll start 
pretty soon in, in some kind of way, in some kind of way. I don't know if there's anything else really big with the podcast. I mean, it's just the two of us. And like you said, we produce, we record, we do everything. So you edit too. And we edit it. Beyond yeah. what, what we ever do here. So it's that's a big responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. And, you know, technically on the kind of speaking shop, we have a lot of echo when it's just the two of us. So I have to go in and lower the volume of the person not speaking so that mic doesn't pick up echo. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So this for an hour and for 90 minutes. So I have to listen through the whole thing and edit the track, go back and listen to make sure it's okay. And this, it adds up. And between me teaching, me between starting the office, between the podcast, like I think we need to find a way to kind of make the process a little more efficient because it's too much time. <laughs> it's too much time. Do you listen to your podcasts? I don't. <laughs> so you're the, can, you're the can of the Midnight Charest. Yeah, I don't, I don't listen. I might listen to the Aster, but I don't listen. I just hate, I just hate hearing myself, you know? Like you yeah, just, me too. Especially that strong French accent. I'm like, who's this? Like, gosh, just, just fix that already. This is terrible. I had to look up the science of why do I sound the way I do when I'm recorded versus how I sound, how I'm sitting here talking. Oh, yeah? In my body. And there's, yeah, it has to do with your... Uh, the uh, ear canals and the and the canals in the in the skull. Oh wow! Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I'm forced to listen back just because of the editing. But if I had my way, I wouldn't. And I mean, I, for me, one of the things that I've learned is how to speak more clearly, which is surprising because I still can't do it. But the first maybe half a dozen or dozen recordings we did when I first listened back, I was in shock how confusing I was, and. <laughs> One, it's my own speech impediments, which I had from a child, but also I put it up to the fact that architecture school kind of fucked with my head because uh, you get so used to being intellectual, quote unquote, because you're an undergrad, you're not really intellectual and or trying to be intellectual. And so when you speak, you speak in a very roundabout way. So I would find myself having a thought, but instead of just saying it, I will say something to introduce that thought. But then I'm thinking about the opposition's perspective. So then I say why the thought won't make sense. And then I say the thought. It's so confusing. So in the very beginning, the, the episodes were actually heavily edited because I didn't want to because I wanted to keep it raw. But I, I felt like I had to because I just made no sense. Like I was going in circles and I would listen back. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm saying. And I'm the one who said it like half an hour ago. I, yeah, I've gone back to listen to some of the first episodes, too. And I'm just cringing listening to myself. Yeah. It's, it, podcasting is actually a great practice for anybody to kind of regularly practice a more efficient and clear way of speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And and he used to go on for like five, 10 minutes. And then he looks at me for a reaction. And I'm like, I have no idea where you went. I I don't don't know what to do with that. And he gets mad. He was getting mad at me. The early days. We were heavily influenced by alcohol at those times as well. But it's true because like in, in design school and the practice, you're so used to preparing and you have so much time to prepare exactly what you want to say and exactly what the design should be. And you finesse it. You do it. You do it over and over again. You revise it. You're doing a podcast. You, there, obviously, you can't do that. Whatever you say, that's it. And this is something that has been a struggle for for myself is that with this format, you're forced to commit to what you're saying. So if we do have if we have a mini conversation about an idea and we're thinking through it, you know, I'm committing to some kind of idea. So it's coherent to the listeners. And so it exists as a as some kind of coherent piece of information. And I don't have the luxury of revising what I'm thinking about over and over like I would with a project. And I also think this is why architects maybe are socially awkward, generally speaking, we can say, 
and maybe are also afraid to speak more extemporaneously on air is because they're so used to preparing this final thing and getting it perfect because they have the ability to do that. You can't do that when you're speaking off the cuff. You say something, that's it. It's out in the universe. And if you're wrong, then you know you kind of have to roll with it. And it's a different, it's a totally different way of, of viewing content and how you're producing it, I think. Yeah, I hope we can see more architects starting up podcasts in the next few years. No, which, no, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> architects are assholes. <laughs> no, I, you want to talk about it? <laughs> so, Ken, do you want to ask your uh, two final questions before we end this? Yeah. So, what are you listening to and what are you reading these days? Wow. Uh, definitely not reading anything. <laughs> no time. And listening, uh, probably the same three playlists in a row. So I definitely need some music suggestion. But, I, no, but no podcasts. But no, no I, I can't listen to podcasts when I'm working because I need my full brain to be there. And I feel like if I listen to somebody else talking, I, it's just too much stuff happening. It's the same with me. Right. When I'm driving or like, hiking or biking i, I listen to podcasts that makes I sense to i can't me. do anything when i'm i did listen to podcasts when i was taking the subway in new york city and that was great reading and podcasts for subway rides i think it's perfect but when you're actually trying to do something it's too distracting yeah um listening uh what am i listening to nothing actually <laughs> i go through phases and i'm commuting right now from orange county as you know paul from orange county to burbank to teach so that's like an hour and a half to get there, two hours to get back. And even then, I just sit in the car in silence. I find it's, it's good headspace. It's, it's kind of weird, <laughs> so actually. Shed. I probably should have said that. I'm like a weirdo. <laughs> um, um, I, I go through phases. and But reading-wise, uh, because of the class I'm teaching, and I, I've assigned these students, these poor students, a ton of reading for studio, which they're not used to. And they're like, why are you assigning three readings for each studio class? Um, and so... The thing I didn't realize when I wrote the syllabus was that I would have to read the readings too. <laughs> so that's my time right now is reading all kinds of stuff about urbanism. So any any specific titles? Ooh, um, they've read uh, Michael Sorkin stuff, uh, Sharon Zukin stuff, Big Surprise, David Harvey. I forced him to read some, a lot of kind of really small articles that probably no one would have heard of. They read some Baudelaire. Bo Baudel Baudelaire. Baudelaire. I was butcher it. Um, yeah, it's kind of all over the map. Yeah, but they're, I, I think they're liking it, but they're also hating it at the same time. <laughs> what in, yeah. So maybe we should have asked you guys, what are you watching? Ah. <laughs> oh, no, you don't want to know. This is so embarrassing. Come on. I am forced or how about again. This? How about this? How about who do you want to have on your podcast that you don't? Yes. Have, or who's on your wish list? Uh, can I, can I, Ooh, uh, can I elaborate on that question? Who would you like to have on your podcast that everybody knows? And who would you like to have on your podcast that nobody knows? That's a good question. Excellent. Oh, wow. Don't say Patrick Schumacher, please. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I was say Kanye West, but... <laughs> uh, uh, God. Him. I think Elon Musk would be interesting. Of course. I'm um, in love with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. No, him, him or Joe Rogan. I think one of those two people. Someone not that's not an architect would be, would be fascinating. I don't know as far as unknown people. I think that's a I good would want to have somebody I don't particularly like. Just to hope that maybe, you know, I would get to know the person or like the person for something that I did not know about. Like kind of like give can, him, give them a chance. some people from Arkanak over to you guys. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you won't like them. <laughs> 
Paul, no, but, that's dangerous. No, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. actually giving them a, a chance, like a one-life chance. Of a chance maybe to I redeem like themselves. Or maybe I would definitely I would not that's ever like you. a great idea you. for a podcast, a redemption podcast. Right. right. <laughs> Just inviting people that you can't stand to give them a chance to yeah. see if they can win you over. You know what? I, I want to invite people that I know nothing about. People that I know superficially because they're famous or whatever. But not prepare for it because right now we we have some people lined up for people in the past and we've always done I've always done a little bit of research about them. So I, I'm coherent when I speak and I never do. And Marina doesn't. And it's a good dynamic because I think you need to have someone who doesn't know anything about them. It's like, and, surprise me. What and also doesn't give a shit about them because if you <laughs> no, it's it's true. I mean, Marina cares about them. But if you're too prepared and you hold them on a pedestal, it distorts the conversation. What? And I'd much rather again have a lot of alcohol and and just be like so what what are you netflixing right now patrick schumacher well and it's it's kind of like a first date too right when you don't yeah. know the person and you've never heard of them it's like you know just let's just discover each other for an hour and a half i don't need to Another read whatever podcast, right so. yeah here you go write that You're one welcome. down before i forget it <laughs> <laughs> so to listen to your podcast uh probably a good place to start would be to go to your website midnight Yep. com yep. and that's uh, one R two T's <laughs> exactly one R and two T's. Um, charrette is still a word that I often misspell, even after going through many of them in architecture school. Um, and then from there, there's links to access your latest and previous episode. I loved being on your show right now. I'm at the top of the list. Yeah. It's the latest podcast. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so go soon before I drop down below the fold. And yeah, it was it was really fun having you guys on and learning more about your podcast. And uh, you're doing a great job. And we. Heartily recommend our listeners to go check it out. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Much appreciated. Thanks for having us on. It's great to talk with you guys. Thanks. Thanks. It was great. Okay. Bye, Ken. Bye, Donna. Bye. Bye. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach us on Twitter at our Twitter account, Arc Sessions, or with hashtag ArcConnect Sessions. You can also send us an email to connect at ArcConnect.com if you have any questions, comments, or feedback. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider rating us on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.